Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. Today's topic is when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates. We're coming to you today from the studios of Salem Media Group in Dallas, Texas. I'm Tom Giovanetti, the president of the Institute for Policy Innovation. With our IPI Policy Basics podcast, we are building an audio reference library on basic policy concepts and topics for those who want to learn and understand how to think about policy or for those who need to get up to speed on a particular issue. And I'm joined, as usual, by our resident scholar, Dr. Merrill Matthews. Dr. Matthews, um, this week that we are recording this episode, the Federal Reserve, for the first time in, I think, four years, has raised interest rates by a quarter of a point. But there's lots of different kinds of interest rates, and I think an awful lot of people are easily confused about what it what the Federal Reserve actually does when they raise interest rates. Right. I've heard people say, well, the, the Fed has raised the interest rate by a quarter point. Does that mean my car loan is going to go, the interest rate right. of my car loan is going up or on my home mortgage? Right. And the answer to that is no, at least not directly. So the ter- when the Fed raises the interest rate, what it's talking about is the federal fr- funds rate. And this is the Federal Open Market Committee. This is the group that meets to talk about interest rates. And this is a target rate that the Fed uses to suggest what commercial banks borrow and lend when they're their excess reserves. So let me explain this. So the federal funds rate, they're, when, they, when they're raising rates, we're talking about the federal funds rate. And it's the target rate set by the Federal Open Market Committee. And this is the rate that commercial banks, uh, when they borrow and lend from each other on their excess reserves overnight. So this sounds a little complicated, so let me explain it. So banks have a reserve amount that they're supposed to have among them so that they've got plenty of money to be able to meet needs when people want to come in and they want to borrow money, but they want cash and things of that nature. So they have a reserve that they have. And the federal government sets that reserve And all of these banks, financial institutions, have an account with the Federal Reserve Bank. And those those reserve funds are with the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, And so if they if they end up spending more, taking more cash out than they and they they're below their their that rate, they have to borrow money. And what they do is they borrow that from another bank overnight. So essentially, a bank has to keep a certain amount of cash in inventory. Right. Essentially. And if if because of unusual activity or something, they find that they're below that level, Mm -hmm. they've got to get that money quickly. From mm-hmm. somewhere. And it, like our listeners may think, well, I've, I've got a, a checking account, a bank account, and I like to have a certain amount of money in there. Mm-hmm. And if it gets too low, I get nervous. Yeah. And I may need to pull some money from other places to, to put in there or borrow money or something like that. Or if I have some extra money in my account, I may think about what can I do with that? Can I put it in savings? Can I do something with it? So the, the, the banking system works similar to that. So what happens is a bank, if it goes below its reserve amount, it will reach out overnight and borrow money from another bank that has an excess from that. And that's what the federal funds rate is. It is the interest rate charged between various banks who are bo- that are borrowing money overnight because their reserves are either low or they're lending money overnight because they have excess reserves. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on with the federal funds rate. It's a, it's a, um, it's basically set by the, the, the Federal Reserve suggests what the interest rate will be. It has been for these past several years, as you point, between zero and 0.25 percent. 
but it's raising it to point zero point two five percent to zero point five oh percent. So that's when it's raising mm. it twenty five basis points. It's raising it to this other level, but it's just a suggestion. See, this this is really interesting. You've you you you've said suggest several times. Right. I think I think. I think people think that the Federal Reserve pegs this rate or sets this rate, right? But they don't do so directly. No, they don't so. And, and so the Federal Open Market Committee cannot force banks to charge the exact federal fund rate. Rather, that that set target is just a guidepost. The actual interest rate uh, that the banks charge is based upon predetermined negotiations between banks. So it's and it's based upon a weighted average that lasts over a couple of weeks. So it's not like when the Federal Reserve Bank says we're raising the interest rates that it actually affects those. It yeah. probably will, yeah. but it's a negotiated rate between banks that have already set up this uh, arrangement. So when we say that the Federal Reserve raised the federal funds rate by a quarter of a point, th- what they're essentially doing is saying this is our target. This is where we think it ought to be. Right. And and the banks are going if even if they don't get there immediately they're going to get there mm-hmm. because the Fed has other levers that it can control. The Fed has other levers it can control, and rates are already starting to go up out yeah. there among various things. So yes, so what they're doing by doing that is they're in essence trying to signal the uh, economy that we need to start slowing it down a little bit, and so that's that's what the federal funds rate does. Now there's also a term called the discount rate. And if a bank wants to borrow directly from the Federal Reserve Bank, it can do so. But the discount rate is higher than the federal funds rate. And the Federal Reserve Bank does that to try to discourage banks from borrowing directly from the Federal Reserve Bank. They would rather than borrow among various banks. Sure. From the private sector, essentially. From rather the private than from sector the and other Reserve. banks that are out there. Right, right. So that's what they're trying to do. And uh, by raising that, they end up settling, signaling the economy that rates are likely going to start going up. And the Fed has stated that they intend to do, it looks like maybe seven increases this year. Essentially what they said was they, they expect to be around uh, instead of between 0.25 and 0.5, they expect to be around 1.9% by the end of the year. So that's a significant increase. They're looking, they're thinking that maybe seven increases over the, over the year. On the other hand, uh, on an ongoing basis, the Federal Reserve is very sensitive to changing economic conditions, mm-hmm. right? So they, they, the Open Markets Committee meets eight times a year. So you have the potential of eight changes right. in interest rates over a year. They don't have to change anything. Don't have to change they, anything they, and haven't for a few years. And by the time we get to the end of the year, they could be re, they could be reducing again if for some reason that's what they think is the if, right thing to do. If the economy goes into recession, and many times when the Federal Reserve Bank has started raising interest rates, it ends up leading the con- the economy into a recession. Yeah. There's not a, a real strong chance now. I think I saw an estimate among economists that there may be a 30% chance we can go into a recession right now. That's probably exacerbated by the war that's going on mm-hmm. in Ukraine. And it's really got the economy somewhat nervous as to what's going to happen. Is this going to escalate? What's going to happen in all mm-hmm. that? So, but if the economy continues to, uh, to grow, and it has been growing some, uh, they may end up re- continuing these rates. If we, su- if we address some of the supply chains out there, I don't think that's real likely given the war that's going on in Ukraine. Yeah. But if we address some of the supply chains, issues and um, we start seeing products coming back in and prices starting to fall 
and inflation inflationary pressure is beginning to decline, the Federal Reserve may say, all right, we're able to back off of that a little bit. But right now, the expectation is they're going to be raising interest rates every time they meet, perhaps by a quarter of a point. So we call this the IPI Policy Basics Podcast. So again, let's be very basic. We don't have government-controlled interest rates in this country. Interest rates uh, rise and fall based on supply and demand in markets. Mm -hmm. And we don't even have a Federal Reserve-controlled interest rate. We have... A except target, for the discount rate. Except for the discount rate, exactly. But we, we have targets and we have signals, and the Fed has numerous ways to try to influence things in that direction. And so, you know, if the Fed feels like interest rates are not moving in the direction that they think they should, there's other things they can do, like control of the money supply, right? right? They could tighten the money supply, which is another lever that would lead toward interest rates going up, because you're literally now affecting the supply and demand of money. And if, if you have, you know, if you have more demand for money than supply, then interest rates are going to go up. And they have been scaling back their purchase of securities to try to begin reducing mm-hmm. the money supply out there. Right. Uh, and it's uh, the money supply has to grow every year in order to keep track of the economy that's yeah. growing more people and so forth. But they've been reducing that. So they've been they've been addressing now two aspects of it, the interest rates that they are able to charge with the federal funds rate, or at least to suggest, and then the scaling back of the purchase of these securities as a way to try to start reducing or at least slowing the rate of the growth of the money supply. So much of what the Federal Reserve does is indirectly influence things. Uh, what they have actual hard control over is the discount rate mm-hmm. and then also and the control of the money supply. And then, as you point out, their own sort of market activities in in buying bonds and selling bonds and things like that. It's important because so many people, when they hear the Fed, because the news has been filled with this for right. for months, right? Uh, and it's and it's almost like if the Fed raises their the Fed fund rate by a quarter of a point, that it's going to trash. It's going to hurt the economy and do other things. It might, mm-hmm. but it's really a very indirect tool that only suggests two banks borrowing from each other how much they should right. be charging. So we mentioned earlier, this is the first time they've changed the Fed funds rate in four years. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, mortgage rates have been you know up and down, moving around. They move around all the time. So that's sort of a good illustration. That's good proof of how the main influence on interest rates is still the market, right? Not not Federal Reserve activity. But if you look at the long term trend for a very long for a very long number of years now, the Fed has been holding rates down using its various levers. And so we have had an extended period of, for instance, low interest rates on mortgages. And and many people, including the Wall Street Journal, have been critical of that for some time because mm-hmm. they felt like the time's going to it's going to multiply and we're going we were going to see inflation really coming in and getting much higher than the Fed's target rate of two percent. And of course that's where we are right now. So mm-hmm. the Fed instead of keeping inter, uh, keeping inflation tapped down is now chasing inflation because inflation is raging right yes. now. So even though the Federal Reserve bumped up the federal funds rate, um, you could still see mortgage rates move down slightly yes, you over could. the next few months. So again, these are not these are not direct controls. These are influences. But the Fed is very powerful, and the Fed can push a long-term trend if it wants to. And that's why the stock market watches what the Fed is doing so closely. Because because the Fed, if the Fed decides 
we think there needs to be a trend in this direction. They can make it happen. Mm-hmm. They can't make it happen immediately. They don't have full control, but they can sure they can they can more than nudge things in a particular direction. Right. Now we should we should also mention I think that you know if you're reading articles or seeing stories in the news about the Federal Reserve raising interest rates and stuff like that, you start to get into something that is of interest to policy nerds like you and me, which is this issue of what is inflation, what causes inflation, et cetera, et cetera. And we've done previous podcasts mm-hmm. on this. But, you know, there's a common attitude out there that somehow inflation is driven by an economy that's running too hot, whatever that means, or growing too fast. Uh, in fact, I would say that's probably the predominant attitude that you would hear in the business press and the financial news and stuff like that. We don't believe that. In fact, we lived through the Reagan administration when interest rates plummeted down during a time when the economy was growing at a highest rate in the modern world. And we don't have to go back to then. We can right. look at the last years of the Trump administration before the pandemic hit mm-hmm. in 2020. The economy was hot. We were hitting record low right. uh, unemployment rates, and especially for Hispanics and women and blacks, mm-hmm. uh, we were hitting record low un- uh, unemployment, and we had a very strong economy, but inflation was very low at that exactly. time. Exactly. So, so there have been at least two periods, again, during sort of you know, the last 30, 40 years, when we have seen an economy that was running hot, but yet inflation was low. And that would be, I think, the first three years of the Trump administration and the, the I guess, the last two years of Reagan's first term and then like the next 10 years. So there was this idea in economics called the Phillips curve. And the Phillips curve just, the Phillips curve asserted that inflation is caused by too fast of economic growth, too much economic activity. And so the way you would, if you're having inflation, what you need to do is slow down the economy. Now, we don't believe that at IPI. We believe the Phillips curve has been completely discredited, but it is still believed at the Federal Reserve, and it is still taught in economics classes. And it was also tied to the unemployment rate. When you got the unemployment rate really low, then you were expecting the economy was going to be heating up and and inflation will be coming in, and that's just that just did not happen then. Right. And it's hard to tell right now whether we have a hot economy or not, because yeah. you get you get on one month you may get huge hiring numbers that you found from uh, from the previous month, and the next month it might be low. You might have increases in people who are applying for unemployment benefits, and then the next month you've got a, a huge surge in the uh, number of people who are entering the workforce. It's just a, a number of companies are doing really, really well. A lot of companies are looking at starting to buy back their own stock because they've got so much, they've, they've had very good years, yeah. and yet other companies are struggling out there. It's hard to tell right it, now. It is, and, and there's never a single explanation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's always multiple factors. So uh, we, we purposely try to simplify these things down because, again, it's the Policy Basics podcast. Uh, so there's more than one factor that can create inflation. But, you know, if, if, if you want to dig a little deeper into all of this, we at IPI reject the idea of the Phillips curve. We reject the idea that strong economic growth of necessity causes inflation. Uh, we are much more inclined with Milton Friedman to say that inflation is, called, is caused solely or almost completely by the money supply. And, and so if you, want to, if you want to create inflation, 
dump a bunch of money on the economy. And you know what? Duh. That's exactly what we've been doing for the last two years. That's what the Federal Reserve Bank has been doing for years mm-hmm. now, uh, much to the chagrin of many economists who felt like this is going to come back to haunt them. Yeah. And it's it's not that they are out printing money. It's that they are out spending money, buying things, uh, buying uh, securities and other things and putting money into the economy through the banking system and so forth. And in a slow economy, when nobody wanted to borrow anything because they they were concerned, I don't know if I can keep my job, and we're going to be lay out, laid off because of COVID or something, that money was sitting. Now people are out trying to borrow that money to buy new houses, to buy new cars that are significantly higher, more expensive because of what they, uh, because of the inflation that's going on and inflation really to things. And so um, we're seeing this inflation really take off. Okay, so that's a a um, pretty nerdy sort of explanation of sort of the fundamental concepts of how the Federal Reserve tries to influence in interest rates and tries to combat inflation. Uh, let's talk for a couple of minutes about how this actually affects the average person, mm-hmm. because as we said, uh, it's possible that rates on car loans and mortgages could still trend down, even mm-hmm. though the Federal Reserve is trying to move interest rates up. And you would expect that if there's a lot of money in the economy, the, the interest rates might trend down as they're trying to yeah. uh, uh, loan that money out. Right. Now, as it turns out, um, one of the only things I've ever gotten right in my entire life is I did manage to refinance my mortgage at something near the historic low interest rate. And mm-hmm. mortgage rates have already come up from there. But you know, th- the fact that mortgage rates got down to, say, 2.7%, and now they're at, you know, 3.9 or something, that is still a historically low rate. And that was that happened before the Fed raised the that, Fed yes, fund rate. Yes, it, no, exactly. I mean, you had that much movement. You had that much range. Uh, on the other hand, I have also lived long enough to see 18 and 19% mortgage rates. Yes. So, you know, the idea somehow that if mortgage rates move up a point or two, that's some sort of an economic disaster. It's not. Uh, what you don't want and why the Fed, I think, is is doing what it's doing now is you don't want the kind of runaway inflation that can wreck an economy like we experienced in the United States in the 1970s and mm-hmm. the very beginning of the 1980s. So more it, th- what the Federal Reserve actually will do is it will eventually nudge and push mortgage rates up higher, but it won't necessarily, not necessarily a one-to-one ratio. Um it will affect things like car loans the same way. It will affect student loans the same way. Uh, the federal student loan rate is set by the government every year, but they'll have to raise that if the Federal Reserve is raising that rate. Uh, a lot of student loans, though, are in the private market. Those are going to be those are going to be more. That's not set by government, so that'll be more responsive to market changes rather than some sort of a government change. Uh, the real sort of tragedy here, I think is for people who live on fixed incomes, who rely on their their savings, their CDs, their money market funds, and things like that to generate retirement income. Because for well for at least a decade, probably closer to about 12 years, uh, those retirement savings, if, if they're in very, very safe instruments like CDs and money market funds, they have been returning nothing. Right. In fact, literally just a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at money market rates, I've got a little bit of money I want to park. I'm not going to use for a while, so I want to park it somewhere, but I can't afford to lose it, right? And, you know, I can remember when you could make 4 and 5% in a money market account. Mm-hmm. And, and they're paying like 0.15% now, which is almost like you paying them to hold your money. 
You know, I mean, it, it's just because inflation will be higher than that. Well, exactly. And so, you know, the the problem is interest rates are still so low that there's no reason to think that the interest rates for savers will go up very much at all anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So it's so far right now, there's there's it's like there's no good news here. Now, I guess you would say if, if it helps to control inflation, it's good news. But if you're a saver. If you need to get uh, some amount of return on your money market account or a CD or a savings account or something, there's still no good news for you. There's no joy because you just we're nowhere close to where you could start getting sort of measurable returns on those that you would be happy with. And so while these, say, retired people are not getting much interest if they have things in CDs and so forth, the federal government did step in and say, well, because Social Security is tied to the inflation rate, and I think the people on Social Security got like a 5.9% increase. Biggest one in like 20 years. Biggest one in a long time. Uh, but that just that just uh, drains Social Security even faster. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, the other the other major thing I want to talk about is credit card interest rates, which which tend to be obscenely high all the time mm-hmm. for people. It's a a credit card is a terrible place to be for you to be carrying long term debt, uh, and credit card rates are very responsive to changes in the bank lending rates. So we we've already seen. Since the Fed made its announcement, we've already seen credit card companies come up saying they were bumping up the rates on their credit cards. Mm-hmm. So the good news is that consumers have spent the last couple of years dramatically paying down their credit card debt. So we're it's not like we have historically high credit card debt. But when you start seeing interest rates grow up, that's that ought to be one more kick in the rear end to pay off your credit cards and to not be carrying a bunch of credit card debt. Now, we've mentioned inflation several times here, and let's close with this. Uh, the, the thing that bollocks all of this up is, in fact, inflation. Because if you are earning half of a percent on your savings, but inflation is 5%, you're actually losing 4.5%. Okay? And that's why inflation is like the most vicious, evil tax of all, because it just reduces your purchasing power. It reduces the amount of money that you earn. I mean, if inflation is 4.5%, you have to get a 4.5% pay increase just to stay even with your purchasing power. And um, the the thing about high extended inflation, where it it just marches on and on for several years, 5%, 6%, 7%, is that you get into a situation where the economy slows down so much that businesses can't keep giving those kinds of raises to their employees. They can't keep up. And Mm -hmm. so then you start getting what we had during the Carter years that we called stagflation, where you have high persistent inflation, but yet you don't have an economy that's growing fast enough to offset it. And it's a miserable economic situation, and we don't want to get into that again. So even though I think you and I are pretty skeptical about some of the philosophical basis for some of the Fed's actions. And even even though I think we'd like to see a lot of reforms there, uh, I think we, we should all be rooting that the Federal Reserve is actually taking the correct action right now because you, you do not want sustained periods of high inflation. It just wrecks everything. Well, you can find more about taxes, about inflation, about economic growth, and about monetary policy at our website at IPI.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, how about giving us a favorable review on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform? You can also help to sponsor these podcasts by becoming a member of IPI's Giving Society. 
Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.